Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. I didn't understand the significance of the Jubilee until the last few weeks. We were all excited, weren't we, about the Jubilee? When the rabbis finally declared that the year 2016-2017-5777 was the Jubilee, we thought it would be significant. I thought it would be. But I didn't know what the significance would be. That year passed without significance. But now, in 2018, we find we are in a time of great significance. The Jubilee has a year, but its spirit may have a season. We are now in the first year of the new cycle, but it is not too late for Israel to act. It took a situation in my life, along with Trump starting to push on this new peace plan, for me to see it. The Father showed it to me, and I get it now, and I'm trying hard to help you get it, too. The situation that triggered my understanding started with two of our friends in Aqaba who once believed Yeshua is God in the flesh denying him so that they can live in Israel by converting to Judaism. My husband and I only found out about their denial the night before our group traveled to Jerusalem for Shavuot. We were asked to refute the anti-missionary lies they were reading but we were going to be gone for a month because we went to Cyprus for three weeks after Shavuot so we asked them to wait until we returned to talk with anyone else about their decision and to let us take the anti-missionary material with us to read while in Cyprus so we could refute the specific anti-missionary lies they were now believing was the truth. In fact, one of them asked us to refute the anti-missionary's claims. So what is an anti-missionary? An anti-missionary or counter-missionary is Judaism's answer to Christian missionaries. He or she believes Christianity and all other religions must be dismantled and destroyed in favor of Judaism. Anti-missionary authors write books to destroy the New Testament and our belief that Yeshua is the Messiah. I was stunned that our friends who have been Christians all their lives, one of whom was a Hebrew roots teacher teaching about Yeshua pictures in the Torah, could so quickly and easily walk away from Yeshua through these anti-missionary books. We thought they were going to wait and let us address the material when we got back from Cyprus. But we found out on our first day in Cyprus, they were already talking to others in our Aqaba congregation about the books and converting to Judaism. You can imagine our dismay and the turmoil this knowledge caused. I wrote a 10-page paper to our Aqaba congregation asking them to consider that there is a difference between theology and 
Torah. Judaism and Christianity, I explained, are theologies, the interpretations of man about the nature of God and what he expects of his people. The Torah, though, is Yahweh's clear, simple language to the citizens of his kingdom on how to live in his kingdom. In fact, the Torah is the foundation of the kingdom, not the theologies of Judaism and Christianity. This was the plain meaning of the article I wrote that addressed where Judaism falls short. And I was addressing Judaism because they were converting to Judaism. Two of the areas where the Jews fall short of the Torah that I mentioned in the article are homosexuality in the land and the synagogues and the taking of land that does not belong to them. The land issue is the important one for the Jubilee, but this conversion situation was starting to help me see the Jubilee in greater scriptural context. My claim that the Jews are sinning by allowing homosexuality to run rampant in Israel, even allowing it in orthodox and reformed synagogues that cater to homosexuals and have homosexual rabbis, plus the fact that a recent poll shows that over half of all Haredi or ultra-orthodox men have homosexual contact at least once a month, got me branded an anti-Semite. Add to this that I see why the Jews must now stop building settlements got me branded a Jew hater. I put a link online to the 10-page article I wrote to our congregation so you can read it. It was meant only for our congregation, but it quickly was spread. My Jewish acquaintances read it, and I heard through the grapevine that one particular person was quite incensed. I'm sure all my Jewish friends and acquaintances are angry with me. I am, after all, messing with their paradigm. The more I came before Yahweh for correct understanding, the more he showed me about the connection between the conversion problem and the Jubilee, and between Trump's peace process and the Jubilee and how these are connected. I now see that the conversion issue brought to us Hebrew Roots believers who attend the feasts in Jerusalem via anti-missionary material is the spiritual battlefield in our 2,900-year-old civil war between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And I now believe this new jubilee season, starting with last year's jubilee year, could be the start of something good if we approach it right. The peace process is the physical battlefield on which this same civil war is being fought today and specifically between two particular people groups 
neither of whom are pure descendants of the northern kingdom or southern kingdom. We just know them today as Palestinians and Jews. We Hebrew roots people have a perspective, if I can help you make the paradigm shift, that no other Yeshua believing body has. Our perspective is from outside the battle, and we really are helpless regarding how it will turn out. The two battles we must endure from the sidelines. We are only called to decide which side we are on, man's or Yahweh's. I believe Yahweh is testing this generation to see what is in our Hebrew hearts. Will we obey him or not? Will we lay aside our theologies and personal desires for converts and the land? which are really war spoils and booty in favor of proceeding through the coming years and into the great tribulation his way or not. Why is Yahweh bringing us such a test? The Jubilee year is the time of greatest importance in God's Hebrew calendar. The Jubilee equalizes God's economy, reunifies and restores his kingdom back to perfect that no Hebrew congregation has ever kept the Jubilee is particularly important because this generation has the unique opportunity of standing up for setting the captives free from the captors to return to the land because the land has been restored to its rightful owners. This year is an event so unique in our Hebrew history that we will one day look back on it to say we succeeded or failed and that success or failure sealed our fate as a congregation and as individuals within the congregation because, like it or not, we are all going to go through this coming great tribulation. So let us not let our history define our future. I believe it is not too late to act because I believe God gives his people credit for trying to do the right thing. At least we can hope we are not too late. Another of the accusations against me now is that I am doing the devil's work. The problem with this theory is that the devil does not want God's people to keep Yahweh's laws and I am calling on the Jews to keep the Jubilee laws and to begin rejecting the homosexuality that exists within their religious sector. Now, let's talk about the connection between Trump's peace plan and the Jubilee while remembering that we only have this season to attempt getting it right because the Jubilee only comes every 50 years. I believe any effort we Hebrews make in the right direction will be attributed to us for righteousness. 
making the wrong decision will result in Yahweh attributing it to us for unrighteousness. I also want to add that our Father will punish His people collectively. That's part of the reason He will send the Great Tribulation. But He will also protect those who act righteously. This is the warning to all of us to do the righteous thing, or short of that, where we have no control to affect the outcome of the situation between the Jews and Palestinians, take an attitude of agreement with Yahweh's Jubilee Laws. Even if it means being branded an anti-Semite, Jew-hater, and someone doing the work of the devil. Last week, I laid the foundation that today's Palestinians in Judea, excluding Jerusalem and Samaria, the West Bank, have 61% Jewish DNA. And Esau's DNA finds 16% among that population, bringing the total Hebrew DNA in that area to 77%. I pointed out that the expert's definition of Jewish DNA is too narrow because it doesn't include any other Israel tribe. The Jews are a composite tribe of Judah, Benjamin, Levi, and Simeon, and a few who moved south from Ephraim and Manasseh. But this leaves Reuben, Dan, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Issachar, Zebulun, unaccounted for in the scriptures. Historically, it is possible that members of these tribes also joined Judah to become Jewish or uh, live under Judaism. However, there is no evidence that these tribes, along with their Ephraim and Manasseh brothers, joined Judah wholesale. There is evidence, though, that both the southern and northern kingdoms continued living in the land to this day. The Palestinians showing that 61% of its population has Hebrew DNA likely means they are the descendants of the northern tribes that managed to not be taken away into Assyrian exile. Both the Jewish and Palestinian populations are known to have migrated a lot, but they both always left a remnant in the land. How these two people groups choose to cooperate or not cooperate with each other this year in what is left of it is the issue at hand. Both sides must make changes to their behaviors and beliefs and begin embracing each other. The DNA data I used last week has also been scoffed at. So I will address that at the end of this broadcast. But let me point out from Scripture where I see what must be done and the positions each one of us is being called to take in this current peace process. Leviticus 25.10 Set aside and consecrate the 50th year to declare liberty 
throughout the land for all of its inhabitants. Declare liberty throughout the land for all of its inhabitants. Does it say Palestinians, Jews? No. Does it say Muslims, Christians, Jews? No. Does it say Arabs? No. It says for all of its inhabitants. Get that part. It is to be a jubilee for you. Every person is to return to his own land that he has inherited. Get that part too. Likewise, every person is to return to his clan. I have written extensively about the dysfunctions of our Hebrew family, so I won't do that again here. I just want to reiterate one point. Consciously, people likely don't know why they have such and such an inclination, but the DNA knows. Let me give you the scriptural foundation for that. Exodus 34, 7. He graciously loves thousands and forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, but he does not leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the ancestors on their children and on their children's children to the third and fourth generation. Humans inherit all of their physical, personality, and spiritual traits from their fathers, their ancestors. There have been very few generations on earth who have stopped the progression of sin being passed on to their offspring. Instead, we are all in the grips of the sins of our tribal fathers from ancient times. Now that I have laid this foundation, let's put in the perspective of some of the headlines. Ahmad Shami, spokesperson to the Office of the Palestinian Authority's Prime Minister, Dr. Rami Hamdallah, says the Palestinian Authority is boycotting the Trump administration because of the unilateral and baseless declaration recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Well, you know, the Palestinians are wrong. They want Jerusalem as their capital. But the scripture clearly says Jerusalem is the capital of all Israel. It is located inside Judah's assigned territory from where the Israelis currently rule from and where, uh, and from where the Messiah will rule. Area C, the West Bank, and all the tribal lands to the west and north belong to the northern kingdom, the house of Israel. Let me repeat that. Area C, the West Bank, and all the tribal lands to the west and north belong to the northern kingdom, the house of Israel. Jerusalem does not it is the place we are all to gather for the feasts because it is our capital. But God gave that territory to the Jews, to Judah. 
somehow Yahweh must impart to the Palestinians and I pray that he does that Jerusalem is only theirs once they become citizens of the state of Israel second the PA and Hamas governments must go the Palestinian people must come to realize this necessity because these two governments are funded by Iran to perpetrate terror and murder of our Jewish brethren this has to stop peace cannot be made with terrorist organizations peace cannot move forward until the Palestinians overthrow their own governments something that is highly unlikely to happen thus any peace treaty that Trump might push on the Jews and Palestinians will probably not work the White House has called for the PA to stop funding terrorism against the Jews but the PA said this week it will continue its payments to the families of jailed or slain Palestinian terrorists this is the reason the PA must be overthrown one peace proposal is for Israel to annex the land that includes Israel the West Bank Jerusalem and Gaza living in one binational country where everyone has equal rights and political matters are settled on the basis of one person one vote annexation is actually the closest proposal that would fulfill the Jubilee requirement of returning the land to the rightful owner providing the Jews would recognize their own need to stop confiscating land from now on after the annexation is over the Jews could settle all the way to the northern border and the Palestinians could settle all the way to the southern border but each will have to negotiate land deals properly neither side should just take land from anyone without permission that is against the laws of the Torah and then in another 50 years the land deals will revert back to the original owners I know I know we don't know who the original owners are right now but by then I suspect we will because I suspect we will be in the messianic era by then the issue is not to necessarily get the details right but to uphold the spirit of the Jubilee laws now back to the article the one state option is gaining traction but media coverage consistently suggests that the only possible scenarios for Palestine Israel are either the two-state solution or the continued regime of Israeli occupation colonization and apartheid this goes against the principle and express command of the Jubilee year that's I'm, what I'm talking about is that two-state solution or continued occupation goes against the principle and express command of the Jubilee year annexation 
making all of Israel one state under the rulership of the Jews would fulfill this commandment. In fact, the Trump administration is looking at the one state solution and it appears that President Trump may be leaning this way. Annexation will create a one state solution to make all Palestinians equal citizens in Israel and I hope will open the door for Hebrew roots and other believers in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob who support the nation of Israel to make Aliyah without conversion pressure. A joint poll released in January by the Palestinian Center for Policy and Survey Research and the Tammy Steinmet Center for Peace Research shows that only 47% of Jews and 46% of Palestinians support a two-state solution. That means that the other half is either apathetic or would like a different solution like the one Trump may be preparing to propose annexation. I am not the only Zionist who has reached the conclusion that both sides are claimants in the state of Israel. The Los Angeles Times ran an op-ed last month in which Halevi a staunchly Zionist Israeli researcher says of Palestine Israel that it is necessary to his quote acknowledge that two rightful claimants share this tortured land between the river and the sea unquote Halevi will disagree with me on this but Annexation is the solution that honors Yahweh's requirement more than the two-state solution. Annexation of all the land to put it under Judah's control will effectively do away with the two hideous Palestinian governments and allow the Jewish government to adequately control the Palestinian murderers through graded punishments including a death penalty with no Palestinian families being paid for their children's murders. The editorial board of The Independent writes that the Trump administration's decision to move its embassy to Israel, in Israel to Jerusalem has, quote, killed stone dead any remaining hopes of peace and a a two-state solution between Israel and the Palestinians, unquote, without recognizing that the two-state solution isn't the only measure that might be taken to create a just peace. Everybody wants peace, friends. The killing of the two-state solution is, I believe, Yahweh's doing, and it puts this generation on the cusp of fulfilling the Jubilee for the first time in history. However, this will only prove too, if true if the two sides agree to it without Trump having to use his U.S. troops to force and enforce it on the population. I have a suspicion that 
we are up for a surprise on this since Joel says that they have parted my land that's for another article but this article presents the opinions of those both for and against the two-state solution and for and against annexation the one-state solution Thomas Friedman, an American journalist and author who is also Jewish, is quoted in this article saying the Jewish settlement building must stop. I agree, but not for the purpose of creating two states or dividing Yahweh's land, which he says will ultimately happen. I agree with Friedman because stopping building more Jewish settlements in the north on House of Israel land will fulfill the Jubilee requirement. You see, we must stop thinking of the temporal and the here and now now to get Yahweh's viewpoint since he does not care about our opinions but about our obedience. Look, the Jews did the right thing by occupying everywhere in Israel. After the UN created the political state of Israel, not to be confused with the coming kingdom of Israel, it was necessary for the Jews to occupy every bit of land they could. Occupation is always required during an initial conquest. But there comes a time when occupation must end to allow for others to settle a new nation. That's true of any place on the earth. If the occupying population rejects all others from moving into the land, then it is at risk of actually of being wiped out. The reality of Jewish settlements, though, at this point in history, that is that these are a military operation. And it is the military aspect that must stop the taking of land not assigned to them by Yahweh that will no longer be tolerated by Yahweh. Uh, this is going to be an issue that brings on the Great Tribulation. They're continuing this military operation, which once was necessary, has now become one of the reasons that the great big army on their northern border will be used by Yahweh to teach them yet another lesson about how to rule 12 tribes. I want to interject here that the Jews have had only one righteous king who ruled over all 12 tribes. That was David. Solomon ruled over 12 tribes, but he was unrighteous and led the people into idolatry. Kings Asa, Josiah, and Hezekiah were righteous, but only ruled over four tribes. In effect, the Jewish kingly tribe has yet to show Yahweh that they are capable of reigning over 12 tribes continuously and righteously. The UN says that Israel is moving closer to annexation too. Here's what the UN says. 
Israel has taken steps that could lead to the formal annexation of the West Bank, UN legal expert Michael Link said in advance of Monday's United Nations Human Rights Council meeting on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but the UN is not happy about it. Link's words were posted Friday on the website of the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. It said this would amount to a profound violation of international law and the impact of ongoing settlement expansion on human rights must not be ignored. Well, if annexation happens, Link's concern won't hold biblical water because the reunification of the land under Judah's rule is exactly what the scriptures calls for and it will help human rights in the land. The Jews will continue to build in the north but conversely the Palestinians and those of us who want to make Aliyah without denying Yeshua may just move into the south too. Then in another 50 years we can all swap back again. But with regard to East Jerusalem, Link warned that the Israeli government and the Jerusalem municipality were advancing a plan to strip 120,000 Palestinians of residency rights. Link's report on why he makes this claim is not yet available. However, no Palestinians will lose their rights unless Link is referring to what Palestinians believe is their right, which is to kill any Jew they please. Then yes, they will lose this nefarious right, and they should. Plus, all Palestinian murderers should be severely punished. Also, I think it would be interesting to do DNA tests on Palestinian terrorists to see just how many of them have Edomite DNA. 16% of the 77% of Hebrew DNA among the population of the Palestinians is Edomite. I want to know if it's really the Edomites who are doing the most murdering. However, that is not to say that I think a regular Palestinian Joe isn't capable of it. Now let's return our attention to an optimistic piece titled What Jews and Arabs Think About Gaza Might Surprise You. According to the article, there is so much more that unites Jews and Arabs than divides us. It says, unfortunately, there are always those Arabs like Hamas who resort to violence and murder that tear our society apart. Jews and Arabs can live together. I agree. This Jewish author, Avi Abelo, is not yet aware that most of the Palestinians are not Arabs. However, it is good to hear that some think the Jews and Palestinians can live together in peace. The article further says, under Jewish rule in the Jewish state of Israel, Arab and Muslims have full equality. They now serve as Supreme Court justices, police officers, parliament members, etc. All jobs are open to them.
Israeli hospitals are filled with Jewish and Arab doctors and nurses, as well as patients from both populations. Friends, this is an apt description of what a unified state, a one state, would look like once the two sides agree. Now, back to the article. If only the Arabs and Muslims in our midst would stop teaching their children to hate us and murder us, if only they taught their children to be grateful of the wonders that the Jewish state of Israel have to offer them, peace would be immediate. Agreed. That's what I think, too. Now, let's see what is going on in Israel that will affect the outcome of this Jubilee peace plan. Israel's Civil Administration's Higher Planning Committee presented on Tuesday six architectural plans to build more than 1,000 new settlement units in occupied East Jerusalem. According to Hebrew language news outlets, the new settlement housing units are intended for the expansion of the illegal Israeli settlement of Pisgat Zev in the Jerusalem district. The current project included the construction of 1,064 new housing units that would be that would rather lead to the rapid expansion of the Pisgat Zev illegal settlements toward the neighborhood of Beit Hanina from its western side and towards the neighborhood of Hisma from the east. <clears throat> the settlements are not illegal because the United Nations says so. <laughs> they were not illegal in the initial phase of the land being returned to us Hebrews. They are only illegal if the ruling Hebrews you know, the Jews, reject obedience to God's laws, because that makes them illegal according to God's laws. Whether they obey remains to be seen. I have my suspicions about what will happen based on the prophecies, but I will allow the Jews to make that decision before Yahweh themselves. It is often difficult for people to take a new direction, but there is a new direction coming. We will either take it voluntarily or it will be forced on us. We are in the end of days, folks. Yahweh will not wait another thousand years for us to catch on. Right now, the Jews have a golden opportunity to finally create an Israel state, not a Jewish state. Yahweh's land was never intended to be limited to just a few tribes or to be called a Jewish state. The entire land never did and never will belong only to the southern kingdom, the Jews. I heard it said last week that the promised land belongs to the Jews. That just is not so. The land was promised to all of the tribes. Half or more of the Jews are still outside Israel. Almost all of the northern kingdom is still scattered outside the land. 
It was said this week that Yahweh doesn't want Muslims in the land. And so he is going to be against the Jews sharing the land with the Muslims. Well, I have to say that I agree that Yahweh doesn't want Islamic theology in the land. He also doesn't want Jewish theology that allows homosexuals and atheists in the land either. Yahweh will bless this generation's effort and he will begin to call his people from among the Palestinian population to start keeping his Torah once this thing is settled. And he will call the land of homosexuals, atheists, and the real Jew haters. You know, God is able to take care of his land as long as we cooperate in the process. By the way, Christian theology won't make it into the kingdom either. In the final analysis, all that will be left of everyone's opinions is nothing. The word of the Lord, the Torah, will be obeyed regardless of anyone's ideas about that. So I am not anti-Semitic. In fact, I am a Semite with a desire to see the land filled with 12 tribes instead of three or four. Let me just say again that Yeshua is the key to this Jubilee process. Today, you and I cannot enter the land without converting to Judaism. If we are unwilling to deny Yeshua, that is. This should not be. He brought us to this dance. I am here with him, not in spite of him. Annexation, the one-state solution, could open the door for others like us who refuse to convert to Judaism to become citizens of the state of Israel. Now, let's move forward to the next topic, DNA studies. My article on the DNA of the Palestinians and Jews from last week was highly criticized and it was said the information was made up. Let's see if this is true from this incredibly detailed genome study, the link of which is here in this report. This study is titled Abraham's Children in the Genome Era, Major Jewish Diaspora Populations Comprise Distinct Genetic Clusters with Shared Middle Eastern Ancestry. In other words, this study will look at the dilution of Jewish DNA. It will be said again that I am being anti-Semitic, a Jew hater, and so forth. Let me ask you this question. Is this study about Jewish DNA or Hebrew DNA? We must answer this question in order to understand the DNA of Yahweh's whole people, his entire people. Second question, didn't Yahweh make a promise to Abraham about all the people of the earth being blessed through him? Let's go look at Genesis 12:3. I'll bless those who bless you, I'll curse the one who curses you, and through you all the people of the earth will be blessed. 
Can you think of a way that all the families of the earth can be blessed through Abraham? How about if he had a bunch of descendants who are Hebrews, some of them who are called Jews, who intermarried with all the families of the earth? This would provide the physical evidence of Abraham on the planet in an age when the atheists are trying to destroy the account of Abraham and the entire Old Testament the way the Jewish anti-missionaries are trying to destroy the account of Yeshua and the New Testament. What about grafting in Venevrakov in Hebrew, which is the actual scripture or the actual word used in that scripture? Yeah, that pretty much takes care of the entire planet being a part of Abraham by the end of days and thus requires Yahweh to make sure they get into the kingdom somehow. Jubilee! Now, am I anti-Semitic and a Jew hater? Or am I upholding that the Jews and other Hebrews carried Abraham's physical seed all over the earth? Let's look at some excerpts extracted from the DNA data by the experts in this genome study. The Jewish data set was analyzed along with a selected HGDP, that's Human Genome Diversity Project, data set. The original HGDP data set had 1,043 unrelated individuals from 52 worldwide populations. To reduce the size of the data set, members of related population groups were combined, including 16 populations from North African, the Mozabites, that Moabite gene that someone said this week does not exist, Central and South African, East Asian, Southern American, Pakistani Hazara, Pakistani Kalash, Pakistani Other, Middle Eastern Bedouin, Druze, Palestinian, Adigi, Russian, Basque, French, Northern Italian, and Sardinian. Besides Southern European groups, the closest genetic neighbors to most Jewish populations are the Palestinians, Bedouins, and Druze. Their genetic proximity to one another and to European and Syrian Jews suggests a shared genetic history of related Middle Eastern and non-Semitic Mediterranean ancestors who chose different religious and tribal affiliations. These observations are supported by the significant overlap of Y-chromosomal haplogroups between Israeli and Palestinian Arabs with Ashkenazi and non-Ashkenazi Jewish populations that has been described previously. This study demonstrates that the studied Jewish populations represent a series of geographical isolates or clusters with genetic threads that weave them together. These threads are observed as IBD, 
identical by descent, segments that are shared within and between Jewish, or I say Hebrew, groups. Over the past 3,000 years, this report says, both the flow of genes and the flow of religious and cultural ideas have contributed to Jewishness. This last statement is important because of the phrase, the past 3,000 years. The history of Israel over the last 3,000 years is that from the time of King David establishing Israel as 12 tribes, then Solomon losing those 12 tribes, with the result that his kingdom became four tribes, includes the history of the northern house of Israel. This is a point lost on these DNA experts so far. This DNA is not unique to or isolated within the southern house of Judah. Okay, now back to this study. When compared only to the European and Middle Eastern non-Jewish populations, Bedouins, Druze, Palestinians, each of the Jewish populations formed its own distinctive cluster, indicating the shared ancestry and relative genetic isolation of the members of each of these groups. Pairwise FST, that is a fixation index, analysis indicated that each of these clusters was distinct and statistically different from all of the others. The populations differed from one another, as did the permutation testing of between-group IBD for all pairwise comparisons of the seven Jewish populations, PC1, or pro Pro-protein convertase 1 distinguished northern and southern European and Jewish and Middle Eastern populations. Along this axis, Europeans were closest to Ashkenazi Jews, followed by Sephardic, Italian, Syrian, and Middle Eastern Jews. Of the European populations, the northern Italians showed the greatest proximity to the Jews, followed by the Sardinians and French. Also along this axis, the Adigi, a Caucasian population, showed proximity to the Ashkenazi Jews. The Druze, Bedouins, and Palestinians, respectively, were closest to the Middle Eastern, Iranian and Iraqi, and Syrian Jews. PC2 distinguished the Middle Eastern Jewish and non-Jewish populations. And my comment is, this is where the Moabite distinction is made in the study I referenced from Haaretz last week. And then back to the article. Along PC2, the clusters of the Iranian, Iraqi, and Syrian Jews and Druze, Bedouins, and Palestinians followed a north-to-south distribution that was reminiscent of their geographic separation in the Middle East. These findings demonstrated that the most distant and differentiated of the Jewish populations were Iranian Jews, followed by Iraqi Jews. 
this last statement I'm going to address first. In other words, the Jewish population of Iran is less related to the Jews in Israel than the Palestinians. This could be because of the separation of the Jews who returned from Babylon from those who did not, resulting in a genetic separation. Now, let me address the Palestinians having followed a north-to-south distribution. The ancient northern tribes were first taken north into Assyria. Their progeny had to move south again if they were to return to the land. Israel is southward in the ancient Assyrian Empire. Thus, the move back into the land moving north to south. And as I have said previously, there always has remained a remnant of northern tribes in the land from the beginning. Now back to the article. The Middle Eastern populations were formed by Jews in the Babylonian and Persian empires who are thought to have remained geographically continuous in those locales. In contrast, the other Jewish populations were formed more recently from Jews who migrated or were expelled from Palestine and from individuals who were converted to Judaism during Hellenic Hasmonean times when proselytism or conversions was a common Jewish practice. During Greco-Roman times, recorded mass conversions led to six million people practicing Judaism in Roman times, or up to 10% of the population of the Roman Empire. That is a huge number of people practicing Judaism in the Roman Empire. Thus, the genetic proximity of these European Syrian Jewish populations including Ashkenazi Jews to each other and to French, Northern Italian and Sardinian populations favors the idea of non-Semitic Mediterranean ancestry in the formation of the European Syrian Jewish groups and is incompatible with theories that Ashkenazi Jews are, for the most part, the direct lineal descendants of converted Khazars or Slavs. The genetic proximity of Ashkenazic Jews to southern European populations has been observed in several other recent studies. <clears throat> First, let me address the fact of the Jewish conversion agenda from thousands of years ago. Today, they say they don't have a conversion agenda. Well, unless they've changed drastically, they still do. And my friends who are converting are just two of many more that I know of who have converted to Judaism. Yeshua said in Matthew 23:15, "Woe to you experts in the law and you Pharisees hypocrites, 
you cross the land and sea to make one convert, and when you get one, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. So, Yeshua knew of their conversion agenda and addressed it. One reason for the mixture of outside populations found among the Jews is their forced conversions. As I have reported in the past, the Jews forcibly converted and circumcised the entire population of Edomite males in 125 B.C., who were left from the last battle those two nations ever fought. And addressing my detractors about the DNA evidence I presented last week, that evidence has been viewed as an indicator that I am a proponent of the Ashkenazi Khazar theory for the Jewish population in Israel, Let me say, I am not a proponent of this theory that attributes most Jews to being just a European-Khazarian mixture of Middle Eastern and European DNA. Many have used this theory to claim that the Jews in the land are not the true Jews, and I addressed that as a lie last week. The evidence is clear that the current Jewish population of Israel is a mixture, but it is not just from the Khazars. Furthermore, my report on the DNA study was said to have contained false information, even though I used credible sources. One of the alleged falsehoods was the result of the Haaretz article I used with Tzvi's Mishnai's name in it. The article said this man had made exaggerated claims, and it was pointed out this week that Svi channeled the prophet Samuel for his breakdown of current population numbers. All the better reason that Yahweh put a check in my spirit about him, and I did not use his 90% number but did agree with him about the need to regather the lost sheep of Israel. The numbers break down in the Haaretz article did not come from Savi Misnai. He believes 90% of the Palestinians are Jewish. The DNA study used by Haaretz said the number is 61%. I then pointed out that all Jews are Hebrews, but not all Hebrews are Jews, meaning that the DNA scholars are not yet differentiating between a Jew and a Hebrew, probably due to lack of interest in Bible history in some cases, and the fact that tribal differentiation has not yet become part of this science, even though for the Levites, experts have developed a T-haplogroup. Another allegation made against me because of the Haaretz article is the reference to the Moabite population. My detractor said there is no such DNA as Moabite. Well, the genome study I just read excerpts from uses the term Mozabite. This population is the Moabites. 
Let me read this from another article in techtimes.com. This woman traced her Middle Eastern ancestry through the Mozabites. She says, My maternal DNA showed Mozabite matches. The Mozabites trace their ancestry to the Moabites, descendants of one of Lot's daughters and to Lot on the ancestral tree of Lot's uncle Abram. So, yes, there is a defined Moabite DNA. Here's what the data shows. Over the last 3,000 years, Yahweh has put his Hebrews into a great big blender with each other and the Gentile populations of the earth, and he mixed them well. This is called exile or diaspora because you know in the land Hebrews are not permitted to intermarry with certain populations but in exile it happens inevitably what this all means is that there really are only Jews who are defined by theology and culture since their DNA is as mixed up as it can get and the house of Israel is defined by its theology as well as the cultures they happen to reside in. Now on the surface, it appears we are all in one great big mess. But Yahweh is fulfilling his promise to Abraham through it. Our job is to love God, fear God, and keep his commandments and let him do the rest. And keeping the commandments part? Well, the Jubilee commandment is part of that. Let's start this first year of the new Jubilee cycle off right. Even though we technically missed that year, I believe we are still being given the opportunity by God to complete it properly. I believe this because I know how merciful he is to his people. We stand together on a precipice, the precipice of the coming kingdom which will be preceded by a great tribulation that is designed to knock the snot out of us so we will stop upholding sins in Israel and among us, among our populations, whether we be southern kingdom Jews or northern kingdom Israelites. After that, Yahweh will be free to punish the Gentiles for messing with us. Let's see if we can get it right this time. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.